0: Nice. Yeah, Doro did the same with like a a weird uh, plant at the cemetery slash park next to us. That's uh, it's like a variegated bush, and like I looked up what species it was with like the, the the app that we talked about.
1: Ah, oh, the cemetery slash park where all the children play.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit morbid. I'm going uh, like for walks there with uh, like the with little boy, and it's just it's so nice and calm there, and it's <gasps> it's open all day long.
1: Look, I've made a new species. My friend is gonna be so jealous. I've accidentally grafted these two. <laughs> I mean, it's really like the roots of entanglement's made like a rat king, but a cactus and a no,
0: what you what you do now is you cut up the parts where they touch and put them on media and try to regenerate hybrid plants.
1: Yeah, they don't have any selection system there going on, but um
0: Yeah you just need higher numbers. <laughs> Just do like millions <laughs> of plays.
1: I've heard that argument quite a lot, like, actually. <laughs> just work harder. I mean, if you work harder, it will work. That's, that's why we have the word work. <laughs> All right, let's play that intro music.
0: Uh, boom! boom.
1: <laughs> <Come
0: on. laughs> Hello, babies.
1: I mean, you're going to get sued at this point. Like, it, This is just... It's I becoming problematic.
0: My thing is going to be that every episode, I start mimicking another podcast. Uh. I
1: don't think I listen to enough podcasts at the moment. I'm really stuck on a couple of them. And it's just like...
0: Yeah, you always listen to that thing where people die. My
1: favorite murder. Hello, and welcome to my favorite murder. I mean, it's just so good. Like, it's so, it's so terrifying. I still prefer my
0: favorite plant over my favorite murder.
1: I don't know. its It's really like... It makes me aware and think of like, how will I fight the murderer when they come for me? Like, how will I not go into the forest? How will
0: I? The fun thing is you probably won't. That's the thing about murderers. They get you in situations where you think you're all prepared and then you just fucked.
1: No, but it gives like certain clues. So like, I mean, for example, if somebody grabs you and they're threatening you, it's very terrifying. But if you have the chance to get out of the car, it's always better than letting them go to a second location. Like, if they're aiming a gun at your head, it's still probably better to, like, leap out of the car than to. I, I mean, I don't know if this is actually true. Please don't take my advice if you're ever in this situation. But, like, this is kind <laughs> of helpful. You're going
0: to get sued by, like, murder victims.
1: I mean, it's kind of reassuring when you hear these stories of, like, these, like, mass murders, these, like, absolute psychopaths, they're, they're serial killers. And then somebody escapes basically because they were just badass and they just, like, kept on fighting. So they This guy is like trying to rape and murder them or trying to whatever. And they just keep on going and somehow get away. And this is kind of like, maybe I just have to keep fighting. (laughs) Okay. This is a much
0: nicer podcast where they talk about horses and drawings of horses. Bojack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm.
1: Okay, guys. Welcome to Plants and Pipettes. We are now going to talk about some plants. And Joram is going to present a paper today.
0: Yeah. But, 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 but there. Oh, gosh. It's the paper of the week. Of
1: it's, the the of the week. <laughs> it's the paper of the week. It's the paper
0: of the week.
1: No, I'm sorry, the Yarm. You've got to make this faster. Of <laughs> of
0: I would like to have a vote. It's Can paper you? Paper yeah, I, I also vote. And then, unfortunately, it's a draw. We need a third person in a podcast to resolve <laughs> these things. <laughs> it's not a
1: draw because your vote counts more than mine because you're a German, a white man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not your funny your vote is only 70% of my vote it's <laughs> <laughs> funny because it's true
1: mm. alright uh, what's the my paper my of the week, week? Yeah, actually
0: like this morning I was like ah oh, this is very chill now I'm like ah oh, this is way too slow so yeah I'm next, next week we're looking forward to the dubstep version of this it's jingle paper of
1: the week wop 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 okay so my paper we my promise pa- not to sing for the rest of the episode <laughs>
0: um no, I, I will not promise not um, breeding improves wheat productivity under contrasting agrochemical input levels.
1: Agrochemical?
0: Agrochemical input levels. Let's go. Yeah, um, a paper by Kai uh, Kai Vosfels uh, from the group of Rod Snowden uh, from the Justus Liebig University in Gießen in Germany. And in this paper, they tackled um, a, a certain misconception that's been going around uh, for like... I don't know for, for how long but it's very prob- like I've heard it a lot and it's a claim that old varieties are actually better than the new varieties of any crop um because the new varieties they only thrive under optimal conditions the idea is like they they have been bred and they're like sh- sh- uh, certainly over but only if you pamper them only if you give them a mm-hmm. lot of nitrogen and pesticides and you like irrigate them and you make sure that they're nice and comfortable and then they give you amazing yields but if the w- the weather is bad or if you don't have n- enough nitrogen in the soil then they're actually they're much worse than the old varieties is what the claim is mm-hmm. um because yeah, they say like the old varieties are robust and like no matter what condition you throw at them, they will give you a robust yield. Um, that's a, a claim. And another, another claim is that um, uh, new varieties or the like the current agricultural landscape is much more uh, genetically similar and lacks a lot of diversity compared to like the old times where we had like lots of different old varieties spread around uh, Germany or in, in, in the world. I mean, they look mostly at Germany. Um, so, yeah.
1: But I can understand the thought train on this one because... We have put so much effort into, for example, tomatoes. We've put so much effort into making a tomato that's very big, very red, very, let's say, juicy. These are like the three criteria. And in order to get that, we've often like inbred that tomato, like breeding it with itself, and just only selecting for those traits and kind of ignoring all the other traits which might be different. If suddenly it starts hailing or the water rises in Germany, so yeah,
0: yeah, that's where where this comes from. Um, And in this research, they looked at this now systematically. So instead of um, yeah, instead of just like saying this these, these statements like yeah all varieties are actually better uh, if if you have like unfavorable circumstances they looked at this now and so if we're talking about circumstances in this case it's it means nitrogen fertilization and chemical plant protection which includes fungicides insecticides and some growth um, behavior what what there's a specific word for that that says growth regulators i don't fully know what growth regulators are because it's like an agricultural term but it's probably controls like flowering or seed setting times and stuff like that with certain chemicals to make sure that in a in, at the right moment in the growth season you will set seeds and dry out and so on like
1: which crop are we talking about here
0: um so this is now more general what they looked at in the in the study is wheat especially mm-hmm. winter wheat so the durham's sp- uh, variety of of wheat um and so whenever you use a lot of the like the nitrogen fertilization and the chemical plant protection, this is called a high input cropping system because you put a lot of stuff into it to have to 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 get your crops as compared to like low input cropping systems, which would be um like leaving out any of these things
1: and I guess there's some like problems with the the high input system firstly because, if you put too much input in you can get like runoff and you can get like environmental problems so you get like nitrogen which goes into the rivers which then cause eutrophication. yeah that right so algal blooms and on the other hand also a lot of like um the countries which really need to have um extra yields so many african countries they don't have the same practices of, of providing as much nitrogen so actually they're not getting the full yield is this kind of part of the argument or am i i'm uh, going off t- yeah, no, no, it's, face it's, it's not
0: something that they they're talking about in this in this study but it's definitely okay. related to the whole idea of a high input cropping system you should system. see
1: his face guys he's giving this like look of like chicken, this, is, this is, is not this is not what we're talking about right no now. no
0: it's 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 fine um i mean it's like the high input um, cropping systems are something that's very often criticized. Um, it's it's what work, what's used in conventional agriculture, and um, many people are very skeptical or at least like they c- they're critical about conventional agriculture. And I find they have many good points because um, it's a very like energy-intensive process. So there's definitely an argument to be made that it can be improved and so on. Um, in this case, they just looked at the idea um, of yeah, is it are actually like the, the new bread varieties are the, actually not the best thing that we can do because they are not as robust and don't perform as well uh, on low-input systems. Um, and in the introduction of the paper, they, they cite another study that claims also uh, that. It was from the same year, so the study was not really a response to this other paper because the they did the experiments already in 2015, so it can't be a response to that thing, but they still you cited that in the introduction and that is it's a study from Italy um, from Cahiluoto Um, It's called the decline in climate resilience of European wheat. And they looked at um, field data and said, now with climate change, the European wheat varieties are not as performing as well and are not as robust. And they make the claim that um, it's because they're all too genetically similar. They're all just like very similar varieties and they're not prepared for climate change is their claim. Although they did not use any genetics in their study. So the claim of high similarity of the varieties is very unfounded um but um this is sort of this is something that was published in in pnas the other study and uh, the study that i'm talking about now um sort of the response to that is from nature plants um yeah so then what they did now is like a very systematic test um they had the goal to compare wheat lines from the last 50 years under optimal and suboptimal conditions, and then also look at the genetic um, div- diversity of all of these lines and figure out, um, did diversity actually decrease over time? And they looked at um, lines or varieties that are very commonly in use in the, over the last 50 years. Um, and they're all so-called elite lines, so all of like the, the best production lines that were at, at use at a specific time of, um, in the time time period uh yeah so another thing that i just wanted to to briefly mention here is like the the fact of like again big words maybe i have a thing with that in papers like i find it sometimes fun how how, much, how many words they use to say very basic things where they say loss of adaptive diversity to secure crop performance in suboptimal conditions would have serious implications, particularly in the face of increasing political and environmental constraints on agrochemical inputs, along with climatic fluctuations impacting yield stability.
1: So they're saying like, guys, climate change is happening. And if our crops aren't able to adapt, we're fucked.
0: Exactly. That's Take like, my exactly message. What I'm saying. It's like four lines of text.
1: It's very hard to put the phrase we're fucked in a paper though. No, so you've got to really like, you. a lot of the words just come from working around this like we're fucked phrase, I mean, right?
0: I, like, I translate it to so we need diverse cropping systems to react to changes in climate change. That's climate. still quite long. And towards a more eco-friendly agriculture that is more and more regulated because they also mention like the political, political things of decisions where certain plant protection chemicals are outlawed over time. So a system that relies on in this case, for example, our favorite glyphosate, which will be outlawed eventually in the, in Europe, will have implications for the cropping systems because it's part of current systems and it has to be replaced. And you can only replace something like that through a diverse um, crop, perform- like diverse. I think varieties. it's like
1: it's often a thing in science where we're we're trying to highlight how important our research is, and we're like nobody understands. Like you really need to know about how like a tyroplast develops into chloroplast, and. You can't say it, so you're just adding more and more words to be like, like it's really. You just want to say it's really, 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 really important, but you yeah, just like yeah. add like more and more complex phrases in the hope that the complexity will somehow like, yeah, portray how vital it is that everybody like gives you money. <laughs>
0: yeah, and yeah, and the basic idea is very simple. It's just like we, also as breeders and uh, as people using conventional farming, relying on it, we need that diversity. Um, and a good secure crop performance to deal with stuff that's coming in the future. So what they did, um, they looked at these elite cultivars from the last 50 years and they looked at a ton of different um, properties. They looked at grain yield, so how much grain you would get per area, Um, yield components which is I think looking at different like uh, uh, what makes up of the yield so how much grain how much straw in case of wheat harvest index it's it's another quality plant height plant biomass flowering behavior grain quality characteristics disease resistances and physiological parameters including leaf area photosynthetic potential these are
1: all things that are very interrelated in the plant as well
0: yeah And they all define the quality of a variety, um, Mm -hmm. how tall it grows. And all of them have like different optima, like uh, for for example, for the height of of weed for a long time, when it was used as straw, uh, when animals were still used in production, in production, it was important to have high-growing uh, wheat so you could use the straw for your animals. With the rise of tractors and the decline of animal use, you need, didn't need as much straw. So the the wheat was bred to be shorter because the shorter it is, the more robust it is against wind. Um, and all of these things have like different sort of things that we consider good over time. Um, uh, so that's also why why they changed over time. And, and they looked at all of them to have like a complete picture of how good these varieties actually are. Um, and yeah, and they s- grew them side by side uh, in multiple locations uh, over two years, uh, two growth periods. Um, all, I think in five locations in Germany and from t- 2014 to 2015 and from 2017 to 2018 is when they grew them. And the conditions that they used were, first of all, a high nitrogen um, soil with all chemical protection. So that means fungicides, insecticides, growth regulators, and good irrigation. So enough water, enough nitrogen, uh, protection from anything that could harm the crop, like fungus uh, um, like mu- um, f- fungus or insects or anything. And these are sort of the standard conditions in conventional farming. So this is sort of the... the uh, not, not really the control, but the, the, the starting point. Um, then they did the same like high nitrogen, all chemical protection, but with bad irrigation to simulate drought. Um, then high nitrogen and no fungicide with good irrigation, which would sort of be ecological agriculture that doesn't spray the plants with chemical protection, but still uses fertilizers. And then low nitrogen and no fungicide, um, which is sort of a li- low input cropping. If you wouldn't put anything on your field for the growth season, if you have a soil that's very low in nitrogen and you can't make up for that with fertilizer, and you're also not spraying anything. And um, so this is sort of the, the worst condition for the plants to grow on. And then they had a low nitrogen all chemical protection system, which is very unrealistic. Nobody would s- spray fungicides, but not... Uh, put out fertilizers, but this is in r- control to make sure that there are no compound effects between, mm-hmm. like, the nitrogen and the fungicide supply. And they did that on eighteen thousand full-sized yield plots between mm. four and a half and twelve square meters. And they measured in total over two hundred thousand trade values. So it's a massive study. It's like it's very big, um, and a v- paints a very nice and complete picture. And so hopefully,
1: they had a nice data analysis.
0: Yeah, they actually, I, I sent you a link earlier, a picture earlier that's, that will come up in a minute. So the results that they looked at is, <laughs> I do I remember that. So I have a little joke to inter- enter the results. Oh, God. Who is the head of the School of t- Statistics?
1: I don't know. It's <laughs>
0: Principal Component Analysis. Oh, no. <laughs> did you make
1: that up or did you I find that, that online? Up.
0: I made that up. Um, so principal component analysis this is something you know, right? You use that. Yeah. So, so can you s- explain it in simple words what it does?
1: Yeah. So basically when you have like, let's say thousands of different traits with the height and the, the yield and all of these different things, um, but you want to see how your different... Um, Situations your different experimental conditions or your different mutants are different from each other, but you want to represent all the variable, that, all the variability that comes from all of those different things in the simplest way possible. So instead of saying this varies based on seed yield in this way from this one and in, in this way in, in another one, you try and compress all of the variability onto like two basic axes usually. So usually you have principal component one versus principal component two. So it's basically just a a way of visualizing the the variation in your samples um, in a two-dimensional way, basically.
0: Yeah, and you can also say which, which one of all of the parameters you have explains most of the difference between your measurements. And in this case, the cultivar, so the Yeah, the type of the variety that was used explained most of the variants. Not if it's on a low input or a high input cropping system, not if it it was irrigated or not. It was just the cultivar, which which says, and then this brings us to the figure that I sent you and that you will find in the paper that we'll link. It's a sort of a a round diagram and they plotted all of the different things that they measured, always with like the uh, low input and the high input cropping system. And then in colors, they um, encoded the different Uh, data lines for the different years from like blue being the oldest from the 50s to like a bright yellow which is the most recent lines
1: it looks like one of those um if you're a kid and you had this thing where you have a a pen and you like push it around the paper and then it makes these like spirograph that's exactly what it looks like but a beautiful spirograph
0: And um, so close to the center of the spirograph is sort of low quality of any of these traits. And so bad values and um, good values are on the top.
1: Can I say what I, I think I can see? Yeah. I can see very convincingly that the ones on the outside are the ones that come from later years of cultivars. So that suggests to me that the earlier cultivars are generally worst at almost all of the different things. Grain yield, harvest index. like Yeah. Yeah.
0: The only thing is the plant height where it's the opposite,
1: but you don't want high plants necessarily.
0: Exactly. And that's the the way that we, yeah, as, as I said, it's a the sort of change in in breeding trends. Um, and there it also it got better over time with, with shorter plants.
1: And most impressive, I would say there's like some which stand out is really obviously like the older plants are winning and it's grain yield, which seems super important. Um, protein yield. And also NUE, which I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> um,
0: I I forgot what it uh, uh, what it is. It's also like a growth parameter. Um. Uh, yeah, I could I could look it up in a second. We'll
1: put it in the show notes. Nitrogen yeah. use efficiency—that's what it yeah. might be. Yeah, yeah. it's nitrogen that one. Nitrogen
0: use efficiency. <laughs> thank you, Google. A very important trait as well. Like it's the uptake of nitrogen. How well that works. Like if you put fertilizer down, you want to be end as much as possible of it ending up in the plant and not, as we said earlier, in the runoff yeah. and going anywhere. Um, wow, cool. So yeah, this very conclusively shows that even under bad conditions the new lines still perform better than the old varieties, um, despite some 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 like con- claims um, by like uh, general claims. They also looked at the diversity and they did some they did a an SNP analysis where they did um, a linkage disequilibri- disequilibrium disequil- disequilibrium <laughs> disequilibrium analysis. Which I don't understand. (laughs) It's a statistical method, but they looked at based on the SNPs, so based on single nucleotide polymorphisms in the different varieties, they could sort of map out how different or similar they are to each other, Mm -hmm. and they could find that over 50 years there wasn't a big change in diversity. So um, the the sort of the agricultural systems are not less diverse today than they were 50 years ago. So also this claim that we now all of the weed breeders they or weed farmers, they grow the same variety across Europe is not true, mm-hmm. which is also like, it's, it's pretty intuitive because soils and conditions are very different across Germany and also across Europe. Mm. So uh, uh, a weed that performs well in southern Germany will have different conditions than a wheat, uh, wheat variety that grows in northern Germany. So it's pretty clear that they probably will not use the exact same variety.
1: And it, especially, like I mean, a lot of these breeding companies are multinational corporations now, so I'm sure they've also maybe taken this into account.
0: Like, yeah, and they have very different varieties for all kinds of like soils and climate conditions and and harvest regimes and so on. And another thing which I found quite interesting is, um, they just mentioned it briefly in the in the paper, is in Germany and now I think also in Europe, we have something called the breeder's privilege. Have you heard of that? That's the thing that... Um, a breeders' privilege allows breeders to use any type of marketed seed as input in their breeding program. So if anything Whoa. is on the market, they're allowed to use it in their breeding program and make a new variety out of it.
1: As long as they change it by a certain percent before they yeah, market like the it. The new variety
0: it. has to be distinctly different. There are some traits mm-hmm. that have to be um, fulfilled. But as long as it's different, it can come from any just recently introduced variety to the market. And then they, and that really rapidly allows for yeah. like, improvement of that. And at the same time, it protects the breeders that when they bring out a variety, they have between uh, 20 and 30 years of protection that nobody else can sell that variety, mm-hmm. but other breeders can take it and improve it and then sell the improved version of it. Okay. And this also fueled the diversity. And it's sort of a different system than the classic patent system where... This would not be allowed if you if you want to use a patented seed for your new development, you have to pay license fees. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, with the international markets and with like yeah patents coming into play as well, there are some cases where um, like breeders are allowed to use that as input in their breeding system, but either they have to breed out uh, the patented trade mm-hmm. or they have to pay a license fee if that still is in the sort of improved version of it. So. It's sort of clashing with the patent system, but I found it quite interesting that this, I think it originated in Germany. It is now like on a European legislation level um, allowed. It's a pretty cool system to mm. at the same time protect investment and allow rapid improvement.
1: And you see that in some forms, I mean, generally with even with patents, you often see that things are allowed to be used at least for scientific interests or academia, if not for industry. So that's kind of a similar version, all of this also allows the industry, but it's it's always good to have rules and laws that are not black and white that have some yeah. like
0: <laughs> and it acknowledges that it's a common good to yeah. have improved crops. Like nobody wants to uh, develop a crop and then say, okay, for twenty years now we can't build on this. Yeah, only after twenty years we can continue to build on this. Especially now with climate change, but even before that became so imminent as it is today, mm. this would just be a very bad system and so that's why this this came to be and is one of the reasons behind the still strong diversity in in germany for the different varieties that are grown Mm -hmm. so i just have two more things it's like first of all what does that mean for breeders um that means that selecting for good performers in high input cropping systems also creates plants that tend to perform well in low input systems okay um so that's interesting for people breeding for for things that can then do well in drought stressed and uh, high temperatures in low nitrogen or in other like in new pests that are, might arise um, f- it's good to know that if they improve like high input systems they will also still uh, obtain plants that also do well in low input um, and part of that is also that during regulation these varieties are tested under many different circumstances and only Mm. if they perform well on all of them, they are allowed to enter the market. So it's sort of inherent in the system that you won't have a new line that will be worse than previous lines. Mm. And that brings me to like, what does that mean for us? Stop saying that all varieties will give us better agriculture. Like whenever I discuss with like agriculture with people, they're like, oh no, you need like the old varieties. You need to do like the old type of agriculture. And this so clearly shows... No, it's good that we improve these these uh, varieties, mm-hmm. and we will continue to improve them.
1: I think there's 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 a possibility to add different traits from new ver- cultivars or uh, new variety, uh, old varieties, sorry, instead yeah. new ones still. So I mean, I know the example with tomato is that the the ancestral species, which is Solanum pinellii, um has some resistance to salt and drought that some Solanum like a persicum, which is the current tomato, doesn't have. So this can be done in an intelligent way, not just like, "Hey, let's like switch back to Solanum Penellii, yeah. which is like small and green and, and shitty tasting." Like,
0: yeah, and that's why breeders have these like massive seed banks where they actually they use these old varieties, like, and still, if they have some traits that are, might be beneficial now, they weren't beneficial uh, before or during the <gasps> breeding time, and then they cross them in. or learn It's from like
1: that. the the alternative medicine medicine thing, like. The, the breeders know that it works. Like they know that that's a good trait. So they're going to also include that. They're not going to just like throw away that really good old trait. So then they're like, yeah. you know, like...
0: <laughs> yeah, they're nuts. <not>, um, <laughs> uh,
1: does anybody else follow my crazy train of thought there? No, yeah.
0: I don't get quite get the alternative medicine thing.
1: Oh, like, I mean, like, yes, like this old, this older form of medicine does have valid properties. Your tree does have medicinal properties, but also we do know that. So like the modern ibuprofen or the modern X has been built from that. So it's not like, yeah, it's not like anybody saying that doesn't have some good properties. We're just saying, yeah, we know that. And we've taken those good properties and put it in the new product, which has also got 8,000 other good properties, including that you're now not eating bark. Like this is like the extra
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how it is. Like they they have these massive seed banks uh, in Germany, but also in the world and um, where they then can use this even bigger diversity from like older varieties to introduce that into their their breeding. Um, But it's just not a good idea to use 50 year old varieties and grow them today under today's in today's systems and expect to have the same yield. Um, as we have today
1: and this is a reminder to all of our listeners one of the arguments for like pseudoscience is this like argument of of antiquity I forget how it said properly but it's this idea of like something that it's old must be better like oh it's been practiced in blah for 5,000 years or like no, that's not true. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Women used to have to give birth to children without any drugs and without medical assistance. That doesn't make it objectively better. So yeah. this yeah. is like one of the, the common arguments in pseudoscience. Like, yeah. check your science.
0: Yeah, and acknowledge that we we came a long way and we built on lots of things that we had before. And
1: some things are shit now. We're not going to disagree with you, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we, we're we not at the end of it. Like, nobody says that we're at the end of this development. <laughs> 2019
1: like, it, was the year that everything became perfect. <laughs> yes. And from then on, we've, we've peaked as <laughs> the, the <towing> a. we <laughs>
0: towing now and everything, like everywhere. <laughs> the, the it can't be better back. than this.
1: I think the authors deserve a really big shout out for this really beautiful graphic. We'll put it in the show notes if we can, or at least link it. Because I think, yeah, we can we, link it we
0: can link to the paper where it's in because uh yeah it's,
1: it's it's like a very nice way of visualizing i mean data is super difficult to show and it's a very nice way of showing this multivariate data in a yeah a very convincing way and as i said like i haven't read the paper and i could look at it and like and just it have like
0: two figures this paper like they did some, <laughs> other, like they have this figure and they have another figure for some statistical ana- analysis that they did that i to be honest did not fully understand because like these statistics are not my strong suit but um, yeah, they managed to compress this like massive experiment into this very, one very comprehensive It could figure. just be
1: a whole lot of heat maps, you guys. Like, <laughs> my paper has 8,000 heat maps and I hate <laughs> heat maps. So whoever made this beautiful picture deserves a pay rise from Never. That That's <laughs> yes. all I'm
0: saying. <laughs> cool, and that, uh, with that, we move on to the next segment. <laughs>
1: favorite plant. This week I am doing something Which is not at all different And again referring to An Australian plant As my favorite plant Because I'm completely Just last
0: week I did all all, Like two Australian Like Australian Yeah but honestly You
1: are stepping on my ground You need to back the hell off And start doing (laughs) German plants It is not okay Like I mean I can be biased And always do the Australian We have the best plants That's all I'm saying Okay
0: we'll eat potato fun facts From now on (laughs) Kartoffel, (laughs) kartoffel, kartoffel
1: No this is actually I, I found it originally On Science daily but it was referring to a study that came out in phyto keys this year Um, and it's about an enigmatic this word really drew me in an enigmatic (laughs) new bush tomato from the australian monsoon tropics exhibiting breeding system fluidity so Firstly, I want to point out that having a new bush tomato is very exciting because Australia basically has very few edible mm. plants and even less that... I mean, the only crop that we've ever produced that has become like a worldwide crop is macadamia nuts. So, mm.
0: But it's a good crop, though. I have to acknowledge that. It's a good crop.
1: That. But um, now, I mean, this is, this is a bush, bush fruit, which means they usually... Um, it's not necessarily crop marketable, but I, I like the idea that it's a bush tomato. Um, but its name is Solanum... Plastisexum, and i wonder if you can tell me from that what its special feature might be
0: it likes to have blow up partners oh my
1: god it has breeding system fluidity which i feel was also a part of the, <laughs> the <time. laughs> thing um so most organisms a lot of like organisms have asex. so like as you know humans are often like genetically they have x y or xx it's the most common thing um yep. Uh, And also with plants, you often have a case where they have both sexes, so they make the pollen, um, but they also have the stigma, which is the female part with the ovaries underneath it. Um, Although some plants also have this feature where some of the the plants are male and some of the plants are female. So this is kind of a thing. Um, This guy, Solanum plastisexum, has no stable sexual expression. It was described just this year. Um, the common name is Dungawan Bush Tomato, um, which is just, Dungowan is just the place where it was um, collected. Um, it's found in a very small area. As you can see, it kind of looks, I'll put some pictures or I'll link to the wiki article. It looks like a normal Solanum. It has this kind of traditional Solanum-y purple flowers um, and it makes something that looks like a, a small green tomato. Um, but the very special thing is that it doesn't seem to, always conform to having one type of sexuality okay so any plant might have just like one sex or a single bisexual flower or a flower which has more of one gender than the other um so it can be andromonaceous, hermaphroditish, or dioecious so the difference being that dioecious is um, where there's a distinct male and female individual organism. is obviously, um, the mix between the two of them and the Andro- Andromomus, <laughs> 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 I'm very failing at this, um, is the other side of the coin. So it can basically be any, mm-hmm. t- from, from plant to plant, and there doesn't seem to be any reason for this. Um, but again, I think it's kind of interesting given that we always have this idea of like sexual binary where it's like you have to be X or you have to be B Y or A or B. Um, and this tomato is just like, it's, hey, it's
0: gender fluid.
1: Well, it's not gender fluid, it's sex fluid, which is like,
0: yeah, I like mean, genetic. gender is a societal construct. Exactly. So, I mean, you don't know their society. I don't really want you to like claim that.
1: Okay, anyway, <laughs> let's not... Okay, the, the comment is that it's a new species that serves as an example for the diversity of sexual or reproduction form that has been increasingly recognized amongst plants.
0: Um, it sort of reminds me of that story that we had a few weeks ago in one of the, p- the papers I represented with like the, the f- um, petal number variation mm. where they also have from plant to plant or from pe- from flower to flower different numbers of petals. So maybe it's something developmental... Uh, in a similar way yeah
1: but i feel like this is like more of a a commentary on like our life as as people it's like a metaphor like it's a metaphor for life okay so it says it's evidence that attempts to recognize a normative sexual condition amongst the planet's living creatures is problematic when considering the scope of life on earth a notion of constant sexual binary consisting of distinct and disconnected forms is fundamentally a fallacy and that's (laughs) the quote from the paper um so i mean there's many big
0: words for saying just like
1: it's like, hey. Sex is
0: non-binary. Yeah,
1: don't be fucking binary, you idiots. Um, yeah, I go and read. I, into that. I just got this from the Wikipedia page, which I think is quite new. Um, you can also check out the uh, original paper, which, as I said, is in five cookies. I'm not sure if it's open or not, um, but there's at least a link to it on the Wikipedia page. Meanwhile, I'm going to go and read up about Andromonese and Diacy <laughs> because I clearly don't know the definitions of the different things. Fun fact time.
0: This is, where the fun this is where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins.
1: I can start with a, a cat fun fact which apparently is not true. I got sent some really cool thing about <laughs> a cat that was watching security cameras and then saw a mouse in the security cameras and then went and caught the mouse. Like in the building.
0: No. <laughs> it's not
1: true. Apparently it's photoshopped and Reddit knows it's fake, but I was super excited that It cats sounds
0: pretty cool, but just knowing my cats, they
1: But I super like the idea of cats using technology.
0: Yeah. But they don't have object permanence. Like if if I don't think if they
1: I mean I couldn't do it. I couldn't see something on a security camera and then know like what the image on the screen was in relation to an actual physical location. Probably yeah. even in my own apartment, let alone
0: like in an
1: institute, but (laughs) I was super impressed by the cat and then my friend was like, no, it's a lie. Like, that's clearly Photoshop. Okay, let's do real facts.
0: Yeah, I have a fact that is that uh, ducks and rice, they go very well together. Okay. If you imagine, like, a double fried duck and... No, it's not just that I'm hungry. There's a, a thing like a good article on National Geographic um, about um, a type of rice farming that heavily involves duck farming as well. Oh wow! Because ducks are really good for rice fields. Like they they first of all they swim on the flooded fields. Um, so it's a sort of their habitat so if you're growing ducks also as a crop or as to to eat them um, it's nice that you can grow them somewhere they f- where they feel happy which is on the rice fields where they can swim they eat the algae small weeds and insects so they are pest control for the rice and they poop in the water and fertilize the rice at the same time um, so it's a very nice um, combination of uh, two, f- two sort of two agricultural products combine them and you have a, a system that's much better and much more robust um and this this technique is called integrated duck rice farming um which is always a good thing to drop <laughs> at parties i so like
1: also the word integrated makes it sound just a little bit more professional it's like yeah, yeah um, my, my ducks sleep when my rice is
0: yeah not, i'm an integrated duck rice farmer Um, Which is also used now, like, the same concept, the same idea is used in South Africa, where in vineyards they use runner ducks for insect control. So the runner ducks are running and there's, like, all these videos where, like, they open the gates and you have, like, suddenly hundreds of thousands of ducks, like, running at full speed out of the farm into the the vineyard, which looks really fun because, like, these elevated uh, running ducks on two feet. Um, So they're using that concept and japan is even going one step further they built a robot duck for rice fields um nissan did that isn't the whole
1: point of the duck that it poos on the fields
0: no they they took the concept of a swimming robot that sort of takes the the small weeds and algae from from the water and filters Mm -hmm. that out and sort of cleans it without having actual ducks where i don't really see the point because just use ducks well
1: i I, I was actually wondering if the ducks pooing could also be a biological problem because i mean we've we've seen this in europe where people taking um more like manure straight from farms like with organic farming or practices often you can actually transfer things that can have disease potential like e coli and stuff so maybe the ducks themselves pooing directly on the rice like if it gets in with the grain i don't know yeah i don't
0: know it could be potentially an an issue from from what i've read from the articles is that they they used to do this and sort of got out of fashion and now people are rediscovering it so it might be that they're rediscovering it for like different reasons not maybe for efficiency but for sort of like um, pesticide free farming or something like that that with a toll on yield or i don't know um but yeah, I, I mainly found it through the robot duck story, and then from that sort of traced back to the original thing from on National Geographic. Um, we'll link it. It's quite it's quite nice. It has pictures of ducks, which is always a plus to me.
1: Um, I have something else which is not really related to plants at all. Oh, I have one plant fact first. So there's the 1,000 plants initiative, which was looking to basically just do large. You mean you're
0: flat? Haha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: Tingan has a lot of plants.
1: They're beautiful. Um, there's the 1, be a 1,000 Plants Initiative, shut up, shut up, <laughs> initiative, um, which is an international multidisciplinary consortium. But basically they have been trying to genotype 1,000 plants with a focus not only on doing your standard model plants, but trying to get a really wide range of plants, which has obviously a lot of um, value. So like looking at medicinal plants and looking at like all things across the whole phylogenetic tree, which will help not only, I mean, it's this idea that the sum of the parts should even be greater than the individual parts, because then you'll also get information about evolution and phylogeny from this. And I've heard a rumor that this is going to be published soon or is just being published in Nature, the first um, 1,000 plants. Paper kind of with this information, and there's already um, you can see a table of sequence plant samples, so all of the different species you can see if they have your favorite species there, which we spent some time doing last week um, because we are nerds, um, and also some manuscripts which are associated to this. And then I also heard that now that that's pretty much done, they're going to be working on the 10,000 plant genome species. So woohoo, we will have all of the plant genomes. Cool, yeah, that's the same.
0: I have another fun fact that I just wrote Wiggle, 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 Wiggle as the headline to it, um, which is a new phenotyping technique that uses vibration for plants to test for different qualities. Vibration? Vibration. So they use Uh. vibration as a non-destructive method to measure lots of things. So What are we measuring? What they're doing, for example, grain yield, water content or cell stability or rigidity. Um, so what they do is they put the, the plant on a spinning table in a, in a chamber, and then they have, um, air jets and nozzles that do like a very short, like millisecond, like I think in a range of up to a hundred millisecond short, uh, pulses of air that they sort of hit the plants with. And then they take high speed video of the reaction of the plant to it. And then they rotate it around. And then with, with some very smart, um, bioinformatics and, and coding and calculation, they can then. Estimate certain behaviors of the plant at a very high um, specificity uh, uh, precision. Um, So you imagine if if a plant if if a weed plant has more grain, and you shake it it has more momentum and it moves further than if it has less, less okay. grain. Okay, yeah. And by doing some good standards and then um, linking that to the measurements that they do, they can then do non-destructive measurements of that because usually you would cut off the, Take the, the grain, grain yeah. measure and weigh it and then know how much grain you have but then the plant is dead.
1: This is actually really interesting because I have a friend who is working on tomato. Actually, we both have a friend who is working on tomato. And one of the questions is, the the fruits and the tomato truss they don't become ripe at the same time so you can either choose to take them off when they're ripe and then weigh them but by taking them off you actually alter the the effects on the rest of the plant and whether it makes more or less fruits so if you're trying to find out for example which crop is better than the others yeah like which cultivar or which modified plant it's really hard so maybe this wiggling thing i mean probably they've done it for wheat now but like
0: no they did it for a number of crop plants like i i yeah. I just skimmed the paper because also most of it was the um, the data analysis part that was really too hard for me to understand. Um, but I, I think they tested, um, I think, three different things. I know that they tested tobacco. I think they also tested other things. Um, and We love tobacco. And, yeah, and it, it seems to be, I mean, they, they use it now, like they sort of built this tool, and now people who do large-scale phenotyping, they can... Uh, integrate that into their, their measuring chains. Um, I know that large-scale phenotyping is a topic on its own, but the the there are these massive facilities with like robots mm. that put plants in different measurement chambers, and they get like x-rayed or they do um, nuclear spin resonance. Tomo- uh, t- um not chromatography tomography on him for roots to to measure the root growth so nmr um and all kinds of things but some things you can't can't do non-destructively like grain yield or water content and um they they're doing that uh or this is now a method where you can do that where you can do like also the water content you imagine like if the leaves are hanging down they will respond differently to uh bursts of air i'm being filmed here and i don't really know for i guess for instagram but actually, maybe for your private collection of <laughs> videos of me talking in a podcast actually i was taking selfies which is even worse <laughs> so i was reacting to a camera that was not even on. it wasn't on you okay
1: i already took videos of you though and you didn't notice so that's good plus one for my okay skills. that was
0: my like uh, second to last fun fact but I, I have a cat related fact that we can end I the have show one on. more
1: before the fact yes. I, okay this is again not related to science but it's really really cool so it's just saying that new regulations are aiming to end gender stereotypes in adverts which is super cool um, so it's basically I saw again on the conversation I talked about something on the conversation last week as well um basically there's a lot of ads out there which really rely on sexist old-fashioned notions which are bullshit and we should get rid of them so one example is you have a guy who doesn't know how to change his own baby or do the washing up. And then suddenly this brand comes in and oh, now with Kapow washing up liquid, you can like actually Even do a the washing up. Man can do it. Yeah. Or like a woman's like, I'm so tired. I wish I had dinner. And the man's like, I bought KFC. And she's like, wow, you've really like done the equal share of the chores now that you fucking <laughs> bought some f- fried, fried chicken. chicken. <laughs> for me. Um, and the other side of that is a lot of stuff that's very um, negative against bodies. So like, yeah. is your, is your body, body beach ready with like a a scantily clad woman with like a bikini it's like yeah all bodies are beach ready like don't be stupid of course um this unless you have a
0: rare skin condition where sand and water will make you like degrade their skin which is very rare i have that no i don't no yeah so everybody is beach ready yeah (laughs) take our message (laughs) no sorry i don't want to derail this but because it's i think it's very important so in which country is that
1: Uh, 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 uh,
0: um, it certainly isn't from germany we have a lot of sexist advertisement
1: i want to say it's the uk but i honestly i read this the other day and now i I forget i'm sorry um yeah i can we can again link to the the article in the show notes it's um from june 14th so it's, it's quite a recent thing um And the problem is generally that stereotypes actually sell. It's very easy to get a very quick, especially when you have a 30 second time period, it's very easy to get a quick method across, Um, but... They're also freaking horrible yeah. and damaging, and one of the the most important things the new rules will also affect children. So some of the really disgusting things we've seen in past years is t-shirts where it's like, "I'm too pretty to do maths," for like clearly like on a pink t-shirt for girls. So first, of the fact that it's pink is already a little bit offensive, but the the idea that like little girls are already told hey like you don't have you have to be pretty like yeah
0: and you have no chance at understanding math because you're pretty and it's mutually exclusive and girls don't do math girls are pretty all of this stuff it's just it's just yeah being a father now this really speaks to me because i'm i'm dreading the the day where i want to go clothes shopping and a regular store and I've already seen it now I mean for babies it's not as bad but already started it's all like uh, segregated into genders
1: yeah I was trying to like shop for a friend's girl daughter I was trying to find some clothing and I was just it was so hard to find non-pink stuff at this very like for a very young baby where it, really it doesn't have a gender identity it's a baby like at least Germany has it right you say dust baby like it's like a neutral like yeah. don't make it wear pink
0: yeah yeah, it's just so that people get, can know what what uh, it has in its diapers. It's like color coding for that. because
1: Which is also so weird. Like, it's, it's I want you to know that my baby has a vagina and two X's on its chromosomes. Like, who gives a shit? It's a baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope... Is this regulation passed or is that just, like, proposed? Uh,
1: it is decision. Okay. Uh, it is such as may soon be a thing of the past with the new advertising was coming into effect on june 14th so now we're on i mean probably we're in july by the time we release this but um
0: yeah so it's will be will have so the statement is that
1: advertisements must not include gender stereotypes that are likely to cause harm or serious or widespread offense so hopefully we also get rid of the distracted boyfriend meme and a whole lot of other stupid shit that's circling around
0: i like the distracted boyfriend meme no it's so stupid like, ah, there's so okay. nice iterations of it.
1: So some examples here. When the man has his feet up while the woman is cleaning up the mess. When a man is failing to achieve tasks because of their gender or also a woman. So a woman can't park a car or change a car tire. Um, when the person has a physique that is not ideal and then implying that they should fix their physique in some way by using... I mean, I, I'm really wondering how a lot of female beauty products are going to get around this because, like, they're really selling on the idea that, like, our bodies suck and we should, like, rip all our hair out. And this is another issue for another podcast. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, we should, uh, we should do an angry feminist yeah, podcast. Yeah, the idea that,
1: like, boys are supposed to be daring and that girls are supposed to be caring. Um, the idea that new moms should look attractive while also keeping their home pristine um, the idea of anything that belittles a man for carry, for carrying out stereotypical female role like all of this kind of
0: oh it sounds like a complete shutdown of the advertisement industry I really which I can't <laughs> wait for I'm it's really th-
1: curious how they're gonna get around this I'm just like every single ad I can think of it's basically like
0: it's all terrible your body
1: sucks buy this
0: product and fix it yeah well, it's like you're a dude so you must like power tools. or if you're a woman and you like power tools here we have a pink line of power tools for you oh yeah that actually exists (laughs) women need pink pyros like this is the if if they don't have a cordless drill with like some um, diamonds on it they will not use it it's yeah it's, a whole, it's all really terrible don't be
1: silly your own women can't use drills we're intimidated by the masculinity of the form <laughs>
0: no they're, they're smaller and less uh, powerful okay
1: and more like ionic shapes and <laughs> I wish I was like joking <laughs> but it's all
0: true there's like the main brands they have like they have regular power tools and have power tools marketed for women and I'm sorry before you bef- before colored. you write into
1: it we know that women have smaller hands on average than men this is not our argument our argument is they don't need to also be pink this is our argument and
0: also I, I have never seen a woman that couldn't physically hold a regular cordless drill where they were just like this is just too big and like my tiny puny hands they can't hold it no they're absolutely capable of doing that there
1: is the other side of this where they um i saw something which was saying that many of the like the safety standards um for example for cars when they test cars the the crash test dummy for cars is a male form and it means that some things like for women bodies like the proportions of women body like where the seatbelt lies are actually optimized for male bodies and not for female bodies so yeah. like there's some cases where like we agree sometimes men and women might have physiological differences and, like real like
0: yeah but still don't make all the power tools marketed to women less powerful Because like the the, <laughs> the little drills that are the ones that you can w- that are less strong than when you do it by hand while it's like for the, the regular ones you can like drill a hole with them the one i
1: don't like is that like the female razors are not only pink but also they cost like more money than male razors like why is that fair
0: yeah it's
1: also the government should pay for tampons i'm just putting that out there germany get on this shit and birth control
0: it's actually a big uh discussion right now in germany about the, the taxes because we pay the higher tax rate for tampons than we do for other hygiene products and also for other like essential items like we have this like two tier system and and there's so many men that have very good arguments for why it's fair that uh, that tampons have to be the higher tax rate um wow it's i would
1: like to meet those men
0: okay, i really shotgun. don't want to meet those men <laughs> i wish these men would just simply cease existing existing anyway uh, let's <laughs> let's move on before we completely change the scope of this podcast I have a final cat fact cat
1: fact um,
0: which is called a, a cat filter derails a Pakistani press conference I don't know if you've heard that <gasps> I saw this I, it's, it's one of my favorite like news stories of recent times it's they streamed a press conference of something of in, in, in Pakistan and I used Facebook live because that reaches a lot of people and somebody i think they, they in the news story they said it was an intern that did the unfortunate mi- accident of activating a cat filter on facebook absolutely live
1: stream. deliberate like and the intern was, was not getting paid and was pissed off like
0: and it was it was going for a while i think it was like 10 or 15 minutes before they turned off the cat filters at this like for 10 or 15 minutes they were broadcasting the politician with like cat ears and a cat nose <laughs> and talking about serious stuff the
1: thing is and i'm Sorry, I'm going to be a little bit ageist here, but if it was like my mother, who in my last Skype conversation spent like three minutes trying to find the camera while her thumb was over the camera, (laughs) like the intern is probably like a 20-year-old person who completely is aware of how to use Instagram and can even use Snapchat, which I don't know is a mystery to me. (laughs) So I don't think they accidentally turned it on. And if they accidentally turned it on, I don't think they couldn't work out how to turn it off. (laughs) I think it's just very, very cute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, they they said that they have now uh, measures in place to avoid that from happening again. I wonder what these measures will look they like. They
1: fired the intern. That's what that means. We have measures <laughs> a, like
0: maybe they put a little bit of sticky tape over the area <laughs> with the cat filters. <laughs> like <laughs> Timothy was punished. <laughs> yeah so that's that's it for t- all everything uh, For if you are that t- intern
1: please reach yeah. out to us we'd really like to hear from you in the comments <laughs> we'd like to buy you a
0: drink of your choice
1: just write the word yes if it was deliberate <laughs> and no if it was an accident <laughs> we'll know what you mean
0: yeah so this is this was our show um follow us on all of the social media on
1: instagram and also on facebook we're at plants and pipettes
0: on twitter we're at plants and you can also find um, more stories about the worlds of plants and pipettes on plantsandpipettes.com. Rate us on iTunes. Um, give us five stars. Actually, I actually haven't checked if if we got more now.
1: If anybody... Um yeah if if you do have any criticisms we're also okay with hearing criticisms just still give us five stars but also feel free to write in and say things that you would suggest what we did better or even something amazing that you heard about in the plant world or generally in the science world or apparently now also in the political world or the gender issue role (laughs) any topics at all we don't care um yeah just like in and let us know um I would really like to thank that we have now 800 followers on Facebook. Um, yeah, you
0: guys are amazing.
1: If we get 1000 followers, I'm going to make your arm dress up like a clamimonus and give make a video as a clamimonus.
0: I don't even know how that's supposed to work. Like I'm happy. I, I have no shame. Everybody who knows me knows that I have no shame, but I just can't physically imagine a clammy costume.
1: I think there's green face paint involved and you'd probably have to um, shave your beard to make it more like chloroplast shaped. I mean, the the minimum is that you have, like, a headband with these little, like, wavy flagella coming off it. That's, like, the bare minimum.
0: (laughs) We'll see about that. So, yeah. um, Tell all your friends friends about us if you want to see me as a clammy. Um, And uh, if you wonder what that Sanchez was, Tegan is eating, is just eating a lime. Like, straight up eating a lime.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's weird to, like, put out my, like, my awkward characteristics on the podcast. I think that's like, that's okay.
0: Yeah, I just want people to know that you really love plants so much that you're just eating whole citrus fruit.
1: If I loved them, I wouldn't eat them, right? <laughs> it's,
0: it's hatred for plants that drives us.
1: I'm sorry if I'm making weird noises. All right, I think I'll we're try done I'll try my best day. to filter this
0: out. Um, the opening and closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross. Uh, see you next week.
1: Okay, I I had to look up on Google on this. Monaceous is when it's a flower which has both the male and the female reproductive organs, um, which is kind of what you expect in a flower. Diaceous is when you have either purely male flowers or females, and usually they're on completely different plants. So There's a male plant and a female plant is what you think of when you think of cannabis, but also... um, uh, Is
0: it what I think of when I think of cannabis? No, I know what it's, you mean. You have male and female plants, and female plants are the best.
1: And also ginkgo, I think one of them makes really smelly things. Okay, and this tomato plant can also make andromonasis, which is that it has both the bisexual, so the dioecious flowers, but it also has only male flowers, so it's like... On on the male-to-female continuum, it's somewhere towards the male side, because it's got just male, but it's also got male and female bits all mixed together. Uh, okay. I don't feel so bad about not knowing that. I mean, I should probably know Monaceous versus diaceous. I always get confused. But, like, I don't yeah. feel super bad about not knowing Andromonaceous.
0: No, I'm not um, judging yeah, there's also Andro... Di- no, that
1: doesn't make
0: sense. I, I literally don't know any words.